We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. We are six days removed from the Packers' last football game against the San Francisco 49ers. I am Jason Perrone, along with my co-host, also of Cheesehead TV, as I am as well, Paul Brettel. Paul, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Jason. First one in a while without Packers football to look forward to, unfortunately. Yeah, but you know what? We... You know, the, the Packers still missed the least number of Saturdays of any other team in the NFL. Uh, this except, is true. Except for two. So this is true. So now that we're, we're removed from the game, we're going to – Paul and I are going to talk today about free agency and the players on the Packers roster that are getting ready to enter a phase of free agency in one way or another. But, you know, we have the benefit now, Paul, of almost a week removed from the game. There's been a lot of analysis, a lot of press conferences. There's been some news and – some you know potential changes that were or were not made so we have the benefit of all of that so real quick because uh, Paul and I also co-host Pulse of the Pack and we talked earlier this week about the game and I definitely want this to be the last time that we rehash it but for our audience here at Pack a Day just real quick um, some thoughts about the about the game six days later has it has your mindset changed are you are you I mean you know we're not as in the moment but has anything changed in your mind as far as how badly they lost or in the way in which they did it? 
No, not at all. I mean, it was embarrassing, disappointing. Pick whatever term you'd like to use to describe it. Uh, it looked. I, I didn't think there was any way. I didn't know that they're necessarily going to win by any means, but I certainly didn't think it was going to look like Week 12. Uh, but it did, and actually going into halftime, the score was somehow worse. Uh, defensively, obviously, they couldn't stop the run. All around, it was just a poor effort. There's no one player, one coach, one anything to blame for this. It was it was an entire team effort, just like it takes a time entire team effort to win. It takes a it takes an entire team effort to lose this badly, especially a game away from the Super Bowl. Um, my takeaway from it, I tend to be a little lean a little more optimistic. Like I said, it's unfortunate, but they came a long ways from where they were this time a year ago. From six, nine, and one to thirteen and three, division champs, first round by NFC Championship. So, I'm excited about the future. But obviously, Sunday's last Sunday's loss was was a heartbreaker. Yeah, I'm still disappointed, and obviously, I have hope for the future. And there's a lot to talk about, and we'll get a chance to do that over the next several months. But it was I, I, the most telling thing for me was was two two sided, kind of what you mentioned. The Packers came a long way from last season. They accomplished a lot of things with Matt Lafleur. They should feel really good about what they did. And I think with the exception of one team that I can see right now, they can go toe-to-toe with anybody, anywhere, and win a game. You know, right now, the San Francisco 49ers seem to be their boogeyman of recent, you know, uh, if you can say that after one season, I think that's obviously a little bit of hyperbole. But there is a huge gap between these two teams, and it, it, it manifested itself in all areas of the game. And so, as good as Matt LaFleur did in his first season, I think he's got a an idea now of, the kind of leap that he might need to take if he wants to be hoisting a Super Bowl trophy as a head coach, he might have to take the kind of leap that Kyle Shanahan took and, you know, look at the way that he came from his days in Atlanta, the 28-3 debacle, then last year, you know, a down year in San Francisco. The Packers actually beat Shanahan's Niners in, at, in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. I was at that game. And a year later, you know, San Francisco is a train that is running out of control all the way to Miami. So it was it was tough to watch Green Bay get pushed around like that and not really make the adjustments. Um, before we move into the free agency thing, the big story this week coming out of Sunday's game was the defensive performance. Obviously, they gave up all the yards rushing. Jimmy Garoppolo only had to throw eight times. A lot of, a lot was pinned on the defense, and then of course rolled all the way up to the top, which is Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator. Matt Lafleur's initial comments were. He's not going any, or, or, or actually, we're going to evaluate everything. We're going to evaluate everything and take a look at that and really deep dive. And if you look at, you know, in the past when that's been said, sometimes that's a little telling and it's a little soothsayer ish. And then later that same day, we didn't have to wait. We didn't even have to like go to bed that night. Later that same day, we learned that Mike Pettin would be back. Paul, your thoughts on Mike Pettin returning? And, you know, because when we go through this list of uh, free agents, there's quite a few on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah, I'll be honest. I thought he was on his way out. Uh, they made a big improvement from 2018 to 2019 as far as if we look at overall performance by DVOA. But they put in a lot of capital as in money and draft capital. So they were expected to do that. It means Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Amos, Darnell, Savage, uh, Rashawn Gary, all those guys. Um you know, so a jump like that should have been expected. The reason I thought that he was looking like it was on his way out, and Matt Lafleur brought it up in his press conference before it was later announced that Benton was staying. But he's—they knew what the 49ers were going to do. Everybody knew, watching everyone in the stadium knew, and they couldn't stop it. And the adjustments that Petten did make didn't do anything. You know, you know, maybe instead of eight giving up ten yards, they were only giving up eight, but it was very minuscule. So 
I'll be honest, I thought he was on his way out. However, with him staying, I think it's good for continuity. I mean, he is a good coach. Uh, so that's what I think on the matter. Yeah, and I have to believe, and I said this too, I think I tweeted it, and you guys know I have a sarcastic tone to a lot of the things that I say, and I think some of that was frustration because of the way they played against the 49ers. If they're going to bring back Mike Pettin, okay, that's fine. You know, because I've seen a lot of Packers football, and I've watched a lot of different coaching team staffs come and go. And the last thing you want to do is be rotating them in and out every season. That's not that's not good for your team. But if they're going to keep Mike Pettin, then I have to believe that they are wholly committed to improving the personnel on the field. And so yesterday, Brian Gutekunst spoke to the media, and it was really refreshing. Paul, I'm sure you've heard the, the comments or seen the, the comments. It was very yeah. refreshing for me to hear Gutekunst say the things that we at least want to hear, which is, I understand what the problems are. I know where we are deficient. And we absolutely have to evaluate it. We've heard the coach speak and we've heard the GM speak before. Well, not the previous GM because Ted Thompson hardly ever liked to talk to the media. But we've heard them say things that we want to hear. But I think over the two years that Brian Gutekunst has been at the helm, he's pretty much proven he's willing to back it up and take the steps and take action. So if, if there's any reason for me to be more encouraged, it's that I believe that Mike Pettin is going to walk into 2020 with a, a much better arsenal of weapons. Now, I don't think he's going to go out and, and get three starters like he did last season in the in the Preston Smith, Zedaria Smith, and Adrian Amos. But I think he's he's going to make a move or two, and he's really going to look hard into this draft to try to restock the cupboard, I guess, for for lack of a better term. Your thoughts on that, on, on Gutekunst and his comments? Yeah, it was very... It was very uh refreshing to hear as you pointed out uh actually given the press conference and his looking back at 2019 but also looking ahead um one of the other important points was that he mentioned that getting kenny clark an extension is going to be sounded like near the top of the to-do list which is an absolute must yep um and they do need to get Kenny Clark help. They need to readdress inside linebacker, which he also brought up that they're going to take a, in, you know, a hard look at that position as well. But also some of this falls on Mike Patton. The Packers defense has their deficiencies, no doubt. I mean, we saw it on Sunday. But this is a defense with the Smith brothers, Amos, Savage, Jair Alexander. They shouldn't be getting exposed and embarrassed the way that they were either. There's still playmakers on that side of the ball. Yeah, with more to come, hopefully. And this draft may not necessarily be about the defense as much. You know, they might draft a big splash defensive player, but on the offensive side of the ball, we also saw a lot of issues and needs, and we'll talk about some of that as the, the offseason goes along. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of pass catchers that are on the list of free agents here that we're going to cover. So lots to address, but if there's somebody that, that has shown that, you know, with the keys, they can drive the car pretty well, it's Brian Gutekunst so far. So moving into the conversation about free agency now, we've got players that are, are de- their contracts are going to be up in certain different ways. So uh, we'll start with the easy list here, uh, which would be the restricted free agents and the exclusive rights free agents. So the only restricted free agent, as you mentioned, is fullback Malcolm Johnson. And so that's a situation where another team can sign Johnson to a contract. The Packers have the chance to match it. Um, outside of Johnson, that's it on the restricted free agent side of things. Now the exclusive rights free agents. This is something, Paul, I'm going to turn it over to you to kind of break down. You had a nice breakdown of what it means. So just kind of explain who falls into this category and what does that also mean for the Packers? 
All right. And uh, quickly, just on Malcolm Johnson, it's hard to envision him coming back. I mean, at the fullback position, they already have Danny Vitality, Vitali and I think even he was under you, so it's okay. Hard wait, to you just you just coined a phrase that I think we when he catches his first touchdown in 2020, <laughs> it is going to be votality. That's <laughs> sure that's that's what's going to be. We're, you just coined a phrase. I think we need to hang on to that one. And it was 100 percent on purpose, as everyone <laughs> right. Of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, but he, he didn't even see the field as much as I thought they would, so it's hard to envision them going out of their way to uh, tender Malcolm Johnson a contract. But anyways, an exclusive rights free agent is a player with two or fewer years of NFL experience, and they can only be tendered contracts by their current team. So the Packers have a lot of notif- notable players on this list. That includes Robert Tanyan, Al Nazar, Jake Kumro, Chandon Sullivan, Tyler Lancaster, Will Redmond, and of course, everyone fan favorite, John LeGlue. So my opinion, I'm, I think all these guys are going to be back, even the glue, because typically the contracts, and I don't have the exact numbers on where these fall, but they fall in between the five hundred dollars and $700,000 range for one season. And a lot of these guys, uh, you know, saw playing time, you know, Lazard Sullivan were breakout players, had significant roles. So it's tough to envision any of these guys not being back. And they're going to be back at very affordable prices since the Packers don't have to compete with any other team for their services. Uh, any thoughts on that list, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the list. And besides LeGlue, our, our you know famous pal here, every one of those guys made a key play at one point or another in this season. So I think they're all worth bringing back. Tyler Lancaster had that big... Uh, fumble that he caused in Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. Jake yep. Kumaro, we all know about Jake Kumaro. I mean, if he doesn't just come out and light the world on fire in August in Oneida, you know, the Oneida All-Star, and carry it over to the to the playing field. He had a huge catch in the Chiefs game as well. He seems to be a, a favorite target of the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. We all know about Big Bob Tanyan. He battled through an injury, but Tanyan has made a couple big plays. Alan Lazard out of nowhere. You know, if there's a Randy Orton comparison to... <laughs> to the Packers roster, it's Alan Lazard out of nowhere. Chandon Sullivan had a few key plays, had a big interception against Dallas. Will Redmond would have had a big interception against Dallas if it weren't for a penalty. All those guys are role players, and, and they're all bought in, and I think with another year in the system, why not? I mean, if, if they're serviceable, unless unless you get really lucky in the draft, why would you replace them? They've, they've got the experience. They know the system. They know Petten, right? So... That's my thought. And they, you know, they all play different positions. Now, if you want to go positionally, I think Jay Kumaro is important because you've got needs at receiver and, and the Packers, you know, from everything I'm seeing, you know, everybody expects them to add at least two more bodies to that position group. Well, if one of those guys doesn't work out or somebody gets hurt, Jake Kumaro, you know, you could do a lot worse. You could absolutely do a lot worse. At tight end, Jay Sternberger came on strong in that last game again. He had caught his first touchdown against the Niners. He's the tight end of the future. Jimmy Graham all but basically said he was not coming back based on his Instagram post. We don't know that for sure. That's not been officially announced. But you assume that Jimmy Graham is probably not going to be back because the Packers stand to save a lot of money if they don't bring him back. So Tanyan, you know, they solidifies a group that right now is really thin. And we'll talk about Mercedes Lewis, who falls under another category of uh, free agent in a minute, right? So, and, and you've got Lazard at wide receiver. So, uh, and then Lancaster on the defensive line. Defensive line right now, that's going to be an interesting one. I could see that being an area of focus this offseason. And Lancaster could be the victims of a, of a numbers game. But if that's the case, and he was as serviceable as he was this year, Paul, to me that says going into 2020, if Tyler Lancaster does not make the roster, that that group has improved greatly. Would you agree? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I wrote about it this week. Lancaster and both Dean Lowry, they you know they had their moments this season, uh, and they're great. You know if they're the, if they're your third and fourth option on your team, you got a pretty nice defense interior defensive line there. They were the second and third for the most part with Montrevious Adams mixed in as well. So it's definitely a position to address. But you hit on all these points. All these players had. Uh, moments this year some more than others but still had their big moments uh, you hope moving forward and another year in the system they're going to keep improving and the fact that you can keep contributors like Tanya and Lazard Kumro Sullivan Lancaster and Will Redman for you know on ballparking here you know four million combined five million combined you know those are no-brainers yeah I would so interesting thing to, to watch and and again going back to the GM and going back to Gutekunst is going to pull the trigger on a lot of these moves I trust him to do the right thing so if somebody's moving on, then they must have a plan. I mean, there's there's certain guys on here that, you know, if if Alan Lazard isn't back, if Shannon Sullivan isn't back, and if if Tanyan, those would raise some eyebrows. I, outside of that, then you start getting into the fringe of, you know, Kumaro's got his cult following, but there is a <laughs> roster to put together, and there is a championship to chase. And if he can't be, you know, if they've got a better option to get them there, then unfortunately it's time to cut the ties there and, uh, and wish him well, but that's that's a list to keep an eye on for certain. The largest list out of all, which is typically the case, are the unrestricted free agents. So these guys are going to hit the open market as soon as the new league year starts in March, and other teams are going to have an opportunity to negotiate with them. And if they sign a contract, the Packers have no recourse. The only thing they might gain is if they lose more guys than they sign they would get a better compensatory draft pick and they may get um, multiple picks as they have in previous years. So starting on the unrestricted free agent list, I mean, all these names are going to be known entities, Paul. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, let's try to, to get through is because we want to share some thoughts on, on all of them. So let's start with, with one of the biggest, and that is right tackle Brian Balaga. Going into his 11th season, he's been very serviceable, uh, you know, to say the least, you know, he stepped in for Mark Tauscher in his rookie year in 2010. The Packers won the Super Bowl. Belaga has been manning the right side ever since. This season, Belaga stayed healthy. He was able to, he at least stayed on the field. He battled through a couple nicks and bruises, but he had some absolutely phenomenal games uh, to start the season. His first four performances this year really set the tone for a nice season. He was able to stifle Khalil Mack in week one. You know, week two, he's going up against Daniil Hunter. Week three, it was Vaughn Miller. You know, and then week four, it was, I can never remember the name of the Eagles pass rusher for some reason. Brandon Graham. Thank you. So started out with just an absolute, you know, murderer's row of assignments. Did really, really well. Paul, I'm looking at the list of needs for this team. And to me, if... If Brian Bulaga's gone, that becomes a big one that you have to focus on. But if you bring Bulaga back, who, correct me if I'm wrong, is only 32 years old and he's able to play, which he is, spoiler alert, then that takes that, that position off the list. It buys you a little bit of time. It just, I don't know, to me, it just seems like you got to do what you can to bring Bulaga back, save for somebody throwing the bank at him. Yeah, 100%. I mean, tackle's a premier position in this league. You know, quarterback, edge rusher, tackle, you know, those are the top positions. And the Packers have been fortunate. They've had two of the best for a couple of years now. And Balaga, I have two of the unrestricted free agents. I have two of them, to me, that are absolute must-resigns, and he's one of them. Um, 
for the reason that you mentioned, he had a fantastic season against some of the best edge rushers the league has to offer. In 612 pass blocking snaps this year, he gave up four sacks and four quarterback hits. Ooh, that That's is it. phenomenal. Yeah, he was absolutely excellent. And I've said this on here before, and I'm going to say it once again. I'll take, I know injuries have been a problem. I'll take 12 games of Brian Bulag over 16 of most tackles in this league. Um, and he is only going to be 31 coming into this upcoming season. Oh, so, by a whole year. That's phenomenal. Uh, absolutely. Even better. So no, that's, no, that's he, great news. Well, and I was going to say one of the other names on this list, and I don't expect him back, is Jason Spriggs. And so you think about the alternative, which Spriggs mm-hmm. was drafted to kind of be, I think, either that guy or a left tackle. And that did not pan out. So if it doesn't go well, you better hope you have a Brian Bulaga on your roster. Absolutely. He's been fantastic. We know injuries are a part of, you know, his career. If they bring him back, you know, he might only play 14 games next season, but that's just a part of it. That's what you sign up for, but he's on the field. He's fantastic. And as you said, it does buy him a little bit of time. If they don't bring him back, uh, I know inside linebacker, receiver, interior defensive linemen are all issues. Tackle goes to up to number one, mm-hmm. hands down for and me. And is this, you know, and, and I don't want to, one thing I don't want to become, because I said I'm going to get more to the draft this year, is it's a blank draft year. And I don't want to, you know, is it, but it is, it is at least important to know, is there a good stable of tackles coming out? Because that's not a position that I've heard a lot of buzz about this, this draft. It's been other positions, but tackle isn't it. So this may not even be the year, even if you wanted to, you know, unless it's the year of the tackle to let Bulaga go. Mm-hmm. And there are some good ones in there. And my ideal offseason for the Packers would be re-sign Bulaga. And then, obviously, don't reach by any means. But if it makes sense in the you know, second, third, or even the fourth round, if there's a tackle available, I'd love for them to take one as their hopeful eventual replacement for him. Um, and just kind of a interesting note, I was cruising through SpotTrack. And if you haven't been there, you should check it out, SpotTrack.com, where they have all the contracts for every player, every sport. And they have the market value. They're projecting Balaga at $10.1 million per year on an average annual value on a three-year contract. Oh, which you could sign me up for that right now. Absolutely. I was going to say it's very reasonable for his skill set. Absolutely. That's, that's a, I mean, that's a bargain. You get a Brian Belaga for three years. And don't forget, too, Paul, here's the other thing, the continuity, playing with the same guys. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you run a lot of zone blocking and stuff like that, that those things matter, you know? Absolutely. The, the, and the other thing, too, I think, you know, they signed Billy Turner. Billy Turner was probably the weak spot of all the offensive linemen this season. You know, and I don't think it was all necessarily just because of his being the first, you know, the new guy and first year in the offense. Everybody was new in the offense, right? Mm-hmm. So guard, you know, if they if they want to focus on getting an interior lineman because Cole Madison tore his ACL. You know, Cole mm-hmm. Madison was a guy that they were hoping to to build in there as some depth. You know, the, the Packers may want to focus on the interior of the offensive line this year, uh, this draft. And so then not having that pressure to have to get a tackle you know, doesn't necessarily hamstring them in the draft. They can really get after, a, you know, an interior lineman there. I, cause, because the other thing, too, is I feel like every year they're smart about adding a guy in un, undrafted free agency, and those guys are not any long shot to pan out. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not any surefire solution. But they're going to add, you know, they've got Yosh. You know, you've got mm-hmm. Yosh and you've got guys like that. They're going to add some other bodies. But when you're drafting a guy, even if it's in the fourth or fifth round, those are still really good athletes, good players, and proven commodities that should pan out for you. You know, you want to use that on your positions, I think, of most need, you know, so you can plug a hole, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And on the Billy Turner point, I wanted to mention, you know, a lot of speculation has been made since he got in because he got a lucrative deal that, you know, he could maybe kick out to tackle because he's played some in his career. That's uh, that's going to be a no for me. <laughs> I, he's he's best suited at guard, um, and he had his ups and downs this year, but he was still a huge upgrade from where they were last year with uh, Byron Bell. By no means is Billy Turner and you know an All Pro level or one of the top guards in the league, but his upgrade over Byron Bell did make a huge impact. But not. I don't want to see him at tackle. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, that was the idea when they when they brought him in was maybe he'll kick out to tackle and everybody's like, oh, okay, good. They have a contingency plan. The one thing we mm-hmm. as fans want is security. We want to feel right. good, right? <laughs> we want to feel good inside. We want to feel like, okay, they have a plan. They've got it figured out. You know, we want to make sure that when a, when situation A ends that, you know, B can take place. Billy Turner moving out to tackle is going to be a no for me as well. I watched a replay on Twitter today of the fumble against San Francisco. You probably saw it as well. Mm -hmm. I think it was Tyler Gerzegorik, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm getting it wrong, correct me. I don't, because I want to give credit to whoever put it up there, but I think it was Tyler, uh, another one of our Pack-A-Day colleagues, who showed that play and it said, um, on this play, blocks, Billy Turner, zero, Jamal Williams, two. Billy (laughs) Billy Turner whiffed. On, on both opportunities, and it was a blitzing defensive back that came through and got his hand on the ball, and the rest was history. Um, those are the kind of things to me in a big game that tell me we either have a physical issue or a preparation issue or a folding in a big moment issue, neither of which are good. So I, I want to believe that Billy Turner will improve with another year in this offense, and I have to, I have to think that he, he wants to and he will. The Packers have committed to him. So unless something goes wrong, Billy Turner is your starting right guard next season. Like I said, unless somebody falls into their lap that just like blows the doors off in training camp, Billy Turner is your starting right right guard. And I uh, right guard. If I said right tackle, I apologize. And you, again, you could do like I said about Kumaro and, and Turner. You could do a lot worse than Billy Turner mm-hmm. at right guard, especially when you bring up that other name from that guy from last season. I can't even bring myself to say because it was <laughs> very difficult to watch. So Brian Balaga. Well, I think we both agree. Hopefully he's back. Uh, not going in any kind of specific order here, but I happen to have this name listed second just because I know that you had your particular list and I'm trying to work with it. So <laughs> kicker Mason Crosby. Okay. Nobody likes to talk about the kickers and spend a lot of time on them. And Crosby's getting up there. You know, I, I, I just found out, uh, I knew this, but I was reminded that Adam Vinatieri is going to be 47 years old this year. Oof. And he was still kicking for the Colts. Now, I, I don't know if he's back or if he's going to come back. I, I think he might be done. But Mason Crosby's getting up there. He's into his into his higher 30s now. And, and the leg strength to me, like he can still put it out of the back of the end zone, but he didn't against San Francisco, which to me didn't seem to be a solid game plan. I'm not sure what they were doing there, but his accuracy was one of the best seasons that he's ever had. So to me, Paul, and I think you agree, I think he's another one of your guys that you say absolutely bring back. Until that accuracy wanes, I don't know why you look in any other direction because those are points on the board. That's just too valuable. Yeah, he put together – it was very under the radar. Uh, Just, you know, kind of how most kickers are. You don't notice them until they miss. But he was 22 or 24 on field goal attempts. You know, he had the two game winners against Detroit, 40 for 41 on extra point attempts. Uh, Really a fantastic season. And he's been solid from – 
you know, the second half of last year on in the Detroit game and a couple of other, and you know, he had some misses against Minnesota in that tie. Uh, but the second half of the season throughout this one, he's been very solid and you don't have to look very far around the NFL to see how difficult it can be to find a kicker. Uh, just ask our good friends in Chicago and Minnesota about, you know, that kind of situation. So he was the, of the other free agents, he was my number two must resign option. He's just been steady and, there's no reason not to bring him back. I agree. Got to bring Mason Crosby back. He's is until, like I said, till that accuracy wanes, he's still good. The one thing that you're not going to get with him anymore, are the 55 yarders. And, and so sure that can be problematic, but you know, thank you analytics people in football because everyone's going for it on fourth down now. So it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. seem to be, I mean, I'm not actually joking. I mean, I, I honestly think that, you know, that the, the, the kickers, you know, the, the ones that stand to, gain the most in terms of maybe taking a little pressure off them as kickers. Now, do you pay them as much? Because now you're not asking kickers to kick usually outside of 40 yards. You're going for it more. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch as, as things move along. But that's a quick conversation for us, for the two of us. Mm-hmm. Mason Crosby should come back. You know, looking back now, Paul, to them bringing Sam Ficken in last training camp, and we heard about, you know, how Ficken was kicking and mm-hmm. Mason Crosby every day in camp, and you went to camp a couple times. Did you watch that at all? Did you watch the kickers and say to yourself, like, whoa, we might have a new kicker this year? Uh, you know, when it was going on, I'd watch to see who made who miss, but I assumed it was going to be Crosby. It's one thing in, you know, no pads on July in Green Bay, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. during practice to knock through a 40-yarder, but uh, when it's when it's November in Green Bay and the wind's howling inside Lambeau, Give me Mason Crosby over Sam Ficken every time to hit that game winner. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And Mason Crosby has bounced back from two really bad seasons twice in his, his career. So if there's yep. a guy that's shown us that he's got the mental stones, absolutely, give me that guy, right? Yep. All right, move, moving along, probably the hottest, not the hottest name, but mo- the most discussed name so far since Sunday's loss against San Francisco is inside linebacker Blake Martinez. Martinez has been talked about a lot because it seemed like everybody was down on him. He doesn't have the speed. He can't cover. Is he going to cost too much? Uh, Paul, you probably, as you always do, and I appreciate it, have some numbers on his market value and what he stands to make. Um, And so then you have to take the financials into consideration. Listen, uh, everyone knows this. Blake Martinez was not an A.J. Hawk. He was not drafted fifth overall. He was drafted in the fourth round. And for a fourth-round linebacker, for the last four seasons, Blake Martinez has done a fantastic job for the Green Bay Packers. When I say fantastic, I don't mean that he made plays left and right all over the place and he was on SportsCenter all the time. But the Packers won a lot of football games. And they wouldn't have won a lot of football games with a huge deficiency in the middle. Now, they'd lost some big games, maybe because of it. But Blake Martinez is still a great player. The question is, and it was addressed by Brian Gutekunst, is the speed the issue, and is Blake not coming back because they've decided that's it? We we don't have the speed. Listen, Blake's not a burner. He does not have a lot of speed. He's a smart player. He's your green dot. But, Paul, give us some numbers here on what Blake Martinez stands to make in the open market because the Packers do have some cap space, but the question is how much they want to spend on him. Yeah, so I got two sets of numbers here, and they are vastly different. So going back to spot track, their market value projection – and I'll be honest, I don't see this happening, has them at uh, $16 million a year. Oof. Wow. Yeah. The other numbers, uh, I believe it was Ryan Wood of Packers News in November, he came out with an article, and in the article there was an anonymous agent that he was uh, speaking to, and he had Martinez around 8 to $10 million a year. I see that. I, 
I see the 10 being a fair number for what he's going to get. I know he's taken a lot of flack from Packers fans, but he's been super durable. He rarely has missed a snap. Um, he's towards the top of the league in tackles. I know some of them are, you know, a majority or some of them come, you know, five, six yards downfield. So that can be a misleading stat, but he's also been the quarterback of this defense as well. He has a lot of great qualities and that are going to get him paid. Now, if it is that eight to 10 million, I still don't think it's going to be the Packers. They're not going to pay that much for him. What they need to do is they need to get faster, someone with range. And this is, you know, picking at 30, Hopefully, either Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma or Patrick Queen from LSU are going Ooh, to be available. Patrick Queen, yeah. Because those – go watch those two play. They mm-hmm. can cover. They sideline to sideline. They have speed. And that's what – you know, that was a big deficiency as we saw against the Niners team and, you know, or even all season, you know, in the middle of that defense there. Um, so I think that Blake is on his way out. He's been, like Jason said, for a fourth-round pick, what he's contributed to this team, it's been excellent, you know, for that value. Does he have his shortcomings? Absolutely. Most players do. Uh, but even if he's on the low end, that 8 to $10 million a year, I think Green Bay is going to look elsewhere and use that money in a different fashion. Do you think we could maybe convince the Combine to keep Queen's 40-yard dash time quiet? <laughs> Just... he, he became – I started watching him, like, end of December – um, on some just clips and tape stuff like that. And he's become one of my draft crushes already. I yeah. love watching him play. Yeah. And unfortunately, Paul, uh, because you are a great mind and great minds think alike, you're not the only one. So I, I yeah. have, I have a feeling that he's on a lot of radars right now, but yeah, Blake Martinez, for me, it's going to come down to the money and what, what can they do now? Unfortunately, two years ago, they drafted Oren Burks to be the complimentary piece that you're talking about that they hoped he would develop into. He is a really interesting case to me, and I hope that we get more clarity on what is the deal with him. I can't imagine that it was the injury because he didn't really miss much time this season. Uh, you know, he just hasn't seen the field. So that's uh, my assumption is is that that's, uh, that's a project that the Packers have decided, okay, you know, we, we swung and we didn't hit. Mm-hmm. And we need to make we need to make another choice here, and and so Burks uh, to me is is going to be a, a name on this list in a couple of years. We're talking about that may not be returning on a second contract. So, so for Blake Martinez, something to keep an eye on. You know, there's going to be that faction of Packers fans who are attached to him. You know, our fan base tends to glom onto players a little bit more more closely and heavily. It's those good-hearted Midwest values. Everybody, everybody, you know, has they, they feel for the player, the guy, the man. Blake Martinez was emotional when talking about his situation. So it's far from a given that uh, he is is going to be back because it doesn't sound like the Packers have had any conversations with him. Although Bulaga also said the same. The, the Packers have mm-hmm. not reached out to his camp yet. So I don't know if that's strategic. You know, again, we're less than a week removed from their last football game. So I'm I'm not going to start to worry too much yet, but when we get towards free agency and it's a week out and the Packers still haven't reached out to Brian Bulaga's camp, then we're all going to be probably talking about uh, how surprised we are about that. So moving along, next name on the list. And this was one that generated some very healthy discussion between you, myself, and <laughs> our co-host Jake Westendorf. And that is veteran cornerback Tremont Williams. So Tremont... Set to turn 37 years old this year. And he's an unrestricted free agent. 
turned in a pretty decent season. He had the big interception against the Carolina Panthers, made a couple of plays this season. He's a smart player. You know, he, he does what he can. He's not as fast and savvy as he used to be. Paul, I know your thoughts on him. Uh, I'll just share mine real quickly. I think Tremont is your emergency break glass in case of emergency guy. If another team wants to sign him, fine. But at some point, you have to cut bait. And you've got, you know, you've got a Kadar Holman who may or may not be ready to move up and take snaps. He didn't get on the field this year, although he was a, a late-round pick. So that, you know, sometimes those guys just don't pan out and they're a late-round pick for a reason. Uh your take, I think, is a little bit different because Tremont provides a lot of insurance, and he's also still capable and a and a guy that knows this defense. Yeah, he. I wrote an article earlier this week, and Tremont fell into my bring back if it's the right price. Uh, he's 37 years old. You don't want to overpay him by any means, but I think there's value in having him back. You know, he was Green Bay's primary slot corner this year, and Pettin's even talked about it. You know, to be a slot corner, you got to have the smarts and the savvy, and Tremont and his experience and knowledge and, you know, just the smarts and savvy that he's built up. He had a very good year there. Take it for what it's worth. Pro Football Focus had him, them, had him graded as their seventh best cover corner this year. Mm-hmm. He had a nice season, and I'm concerned about the overall depth at the cornerback position. They have a great foundation in Jair and Kevin King. We saw Chandon Sullivan break out this year in the last six, five, six games or so. Played, took a lot of his snaps either in the slot or out wide. But after that, there's concerns. You know, Tony Brown was cut. Kadar Holman flashed in the uh, preseason and training camp, but he's a late-round draft pick just coming off his rookie year. We don't know what he is yet. Um, and uh, I think that's all that's coming to mind for those. Oh, Josh Jackson. I knew there was someone else. Uh, Josh Jackson, he clearly just doesn't have the trust of this uh, defensive staff. I looked it up earlier today. He played 9% of the defensive snaps. He was targeted eight times, gave up seven catches, and a touchdown. Uh, you know, I, To me, he's one of those players that could be on the hot seat come training camp in the preseason, you know, a la Jamon Moore potentially like we saw this year if things don't turn around. So you have Jair, you have King, great foundation. Sullivan broke out. But after that, just a lot of question marks. And that's where I think the value – of having a Tremont Williams can be, uh, whether it's keeping up the same role. I know I think in a perfect world, you'd rather see that reduced and have someone else take over, but they need to find whether it's Tremont or not, they need to bring in a veteran corner or be willing to spend, you know, second, third round draft pick on one. Uh, Cause they need someone who can step in and take snaps under Petten. They play a lot of, you know, defensive backs in their defense. They need someone who can step in and not be a huge liability. So that's where I think the value in bringing him back is. Plus, he's coming off of a very good season. Well, that was why I was kind of surprised, and there's maybe reasons for it, why the Packers didn't decide to bring Bashad Breeland back. Because mm-hmm. if you bring Breeland back, then you have that guy. You know, and Breeland, by the way, is getting ready to play in a Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs in a week from Sunday. So, you know, that that's – there's there's always reasons for it and I again I, I trust the the brain trust of the of the team and what they're doing but I, I agree with you that's another position that they're going to have to defensive back they're going to have to add at least one if not two bodies and that could be a safety a corner a hybrid one of the one of the two in one way or another this offseason for certain but Tremont Williams a good ba- uh, you know a good insurance policy there and I think his preference after his, what his career has been, even though he's played in a couple different places, would probably be to come back to Green Bay if he's going to continue to play. So mm-hmm. that's one to keep an eye on, for sure. Geronimo Allison, wide receiver, number 81. 
Allison was a very frustrating case this season. Just had a lot of issues hanging out of the football. Couldn't really get going in the offense. His athleticism seemed to have left him after he made several big plays. I remember him making a huge touchdown catch week 17 against the Lions in 2016 to, to seal the, the division and keep the table run going. He had the huge monster touchdown catch in week one last year against the Bears to open the 2018 season. This season, Allison just, it was like the Benny Hill music was playing in the background every time he touched the ball because <laughs> the ball was popping out. He wasn't reaching the sticks. He, you know, he, he couldn't catch, you know, he couldn't catch the football. It was just a really frustrating situation. So for a guy that the Packers bet on and hoped would elevate himself, I think they're realizing, okay, he's peaked out and it's very unlikely that he is going to be any better than what we saw this season. So I'd have to imagine Geronimo Allison probably isn't back. If he is, something probably went awry along the way somewhere. Yeah, I think they should just move on from him and cut ties. Uh, as you said, he had the drops, fumbles, just he's just not dynamic, you know, for whatever reason they tried to get him the ball in a lot, of, you know, wide receiver screens and let him, you know, try to pick up some yardage that honestly that's just putting him in position to fail cuz he can't do that very well. Uh and with the other receivers that they already have, you know, Devonte certified stud, uh, Alan Lazard had a breakout season. I don't he's not fit necessarily to be a number 2, but if he's your 3, doing all right. Uh, of course, Equinemia St. Brown's coming back next year. Still a little bit, bit of an unknown, but Rodgers likes some, showed flash some potential. Jake Kumro, uh, as we saw, he had his moments and also just an excellent run blocker, which we all know is important to Matt LaFleur. And then we look at the draft, free agency. Uh, hopefully we see, an my hope is at least two, you know, higher end talent receivers are adding are being added to this offense, whether it's, you know, one in free agency and then drafting one in the first, second, third round or two in the first four rounds, whatever the combination may be. Obviously that's ideal, but and of course, Marquez Valdez Scantling will be back rough season still in a second year though. So don't want to give up on him yet. And as he has that deep threat and speed. So I think at this point, it's just time to walk away from Allison. Yeah. I think we both agree on that one. So we'll see how the receiver position shakes out as things move along. The Jacksonville Jaguars gifted us not only Alan Lazard at the end of 2018, but they also decided that they did not want to keep Tyler Irvin. And he was available to the Packers to pick up as an option in the kick return game midseason. And he turned out to be not just that, but a piece of the offense. And so he's an unrestricted free agent. But from what I saw even if it's just on special teams, this is a guy that's got to be up there. If he's not up there in your Belaga Crosby category, he's got to be pretty close to it in, in terms of a guy that they've got to figure out a way to bring back. He's just that Swiss army knife that every offense should want to have. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. He turned around this, what was an abysmal and on a historically bad pace punt return unit in his first game against Washington. I think he had over 50 punt return yards in that game. Uh, we saw a couple go for double digits, which I'm sure most Packer fans faded at the sight of that. And then just what he can do on offense. He's a gadget player for Matt LaFleur. We saw him on a couple, um, you know, end arounds coming out of the backfield. He was out wide as a receiver. He would have had a touchdown reception against Detroit if he wasn't overthrown. So I think if they can bring him back, they should. Another year in the offense with the floor, I think he'll get used more frequently and become a big weapon for this team. Yeah. 
All those things. I agree with all of it, and he's just the kind of player, like I said, he's kind of the kind of player that your offense needs, and they're hard to find. And so if you find one, you keep it, you continue to mold it, and use it to the best of your advantage. Hopefully there isn't anything that we don't know about that goes on off the field that might prohibit them from bringing him back. That's usually what I think about when a guy gets let go in a surprise move. Uh, So hopefully that's not the case with Irvin. I think we both agree we want him back. We're going to go from Tyler to Kyler. Tyler to Kyler. Kyler Fackrell. So Kyler Fackrell going into the last year of his deal. um, Or let me think. Six, seven, eight, nine. Yep. No. Did they sign? Did they re-sign him, or did he get? He got drafted in sixteen, right? Yeah, he's a free agent. Yep. Yeah, he's, he'll be a free. That's right. He's, he's a free agent. So Kyler Fackrell. So he's a depth guy too. When we talk about depth and and having backups there, you know, I I could see them keeping him if he's because I don't think he's going to get a ton in the open market unless somebody's still overvaluing him from his, you know, his days uh, or from the Seattle game a year ago, which is well well past, but. Fackrell to me is a guy that you wait and see how the how things shake up because Rashad Gary should be getting those snaps. If if they go into the season 2020 season and Fackrell comes back on a, on a very team friendly deal, and he's playing ahead of Rashad Gary, that's not a good thing. Not that you enable the situation by getting rid of Fackrell, but he's he's depth at that point. So is is he good enough? I mean, he's made some plays every now and then, but is he good enough in your eyes that you you maybe move? your search for another pass rusher down the wrong because you have him as a depth option. Yeah. He had 10 and a half sacks last season, obviously with the Smiths coming in, his playing time was decreased greatly. You know, if he can cut, if he can get him at a good price, you know, he's able to drop into coverage, uh, which is obviously helpful, but his long term on this team is the fourth edge rusher. You know, the Packers are going to give those snaps to Gary. They're obviously hoping, assuming that he's going to pan out. Obviously, Zadarius and Preston are number one. So for your fourth edge rusher, obviously, with other needs that they have, you don't want to go wild on paying him. For me, the price would have to be very right to to justify that. So if I had to guess right now, I th- my guess would be that he's elsewhere, given yeah. those factors. <clears throat> yeah. He's, but there's he's, definitely value in bringing him back, as you pointed out. Yeah, he's a wait-and-see guy for me, I think. And and just, you know, see how they do in the draft and and in free agency. If somebody else comes in and wants to swoop him up right away, you know, it is what it is. You wish him well, and then the Packers can hopefully try to find somebody else to replace that production. And I think if they had to, there's a better-than-not chance that they will. Tight end, Mercedes Lewis. Uh, you know, it's funny. I say to Tremont Williams, I, you know, break glass in case of emergency. Whereas with Lewis, to me, if he wants to come back and play, sign him up right now because he's going to take whatever the Packers offer. He wants to stay, play with Aaron Rodgers, caught a touchdown pass for the first time in years. But what they ask him to do isn't, you know, with Tremont, it's it's keeping up with and covering really, you know, fast guys across the middle of the field. Mercedes Lewis's role is very clearly defined. He's a body, he's a blocker. He paves the way, and every once in a while he gets out into space and he can catch a ball, and that's really all they, they need him to do. They don't need him to catch five or six balls a game. So I if he want like I said, if he wants to play and he wants to stay in it, then to me, it seems pretty clear cut. You keep him. But tight end is the position that the Packers have to start addressing. With Sternberger as their only real option coming back next year, and you assume Tanyan will be back. Graham's gone. You don't have any veterans at the position. You know, they could get after a veteran tight end, and I think they will, but they're going to have to add a body there. You know, is Lewis 
still valuable enough in your eyes if he's the fourth tight end to do what he did again this season? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this year he his cap hit was two point one million, so he is very cheap. Uh, he knows the offense. He enjoys being here. I actually think after the game or earlier this week, he said that he he already said he wanted to come back here. Um, he's a blocking tight end, which is important to Matt Lafleur. Uh, but I also think that having that veteran in there is important. Tight end's a tough position to transition from college to the pros. And Sternberger looks the part. We've seen flashes from Tanya and uh, hoping that the, both those guys can add that more dynamic element to the passing game. But also looking elsewhere in free agency for maybe a tight end that can do, you know, if Mercedes is on towards the blocking end of the spectrum, maybe one more towards the middle, just as an additional, once again, safety blanket for Sternberger and Tanyan, who are still young at a difficult position. All right. Linebacker B.J. Goodson. Goodson had a tough day against the Niners. He was a big part of the defensive game plan, and I think to try to help things out in the middle, but it just did not pan out too well. Goodson was a role player, didn't play a ton, Probably had his best moment of the season against the Oakland Raiders when he helped stuff a goal line stand. I think it was fourth and goal, and they stuffed it. Uh, That was probably his crowning moment. But he's a guy, to me, that was depth to begin with. Doesn't fit with what they're looking to do, which is get faster. So, to me, I don't see B.J. Goodson coming back. Um, You know, again, this is another situation where he comes back. Something probably, you know, they they either didn't get a guy in the draft or somebody got hurt. I, other than that, I don't know how you you see Goodson's role shaping up if the Packers were to keep him. Yeah, he's a limited player. He's meant to play against the run. He's, I mean, he's a nice, you know, a thumper to have on the defensive side of the ball. So if it's going to be at a cheap price, maybe. I mean, hopefully Ty Summers takes a step and can kind of help fill in, you know, playing against the run. But yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way either. Yeah, so he's he's another one to keep an eye on. Safety slash linebacker Ibrahim Campbell. So Campbell rejoined the team mid-year after missing some time with a significant injury that he suffered the year prior. Mike Pettin clearly likes him a lot. So you bring him, you know, if you bring him back, then he's the veteran presence in the middle there. But does he fit into that same mold as like a B.J. Goodson where he's a depth player, he's a veteran, but he's just... He doesn't do enough special, and and you might have to replace him. When you also consider the fact that Raven Green was activated uh, or put onto the roster, uh, even though he wasn't activated on game day, I think Green is their guy of the future in that particular role. So do they need both Green and Campbell, or do they want to use that roster spot for someone else? Uh, I don't think they need both. It would be it'd be a nice luxury to have, though. I would like to see uh, Ibrahim Campbell back, like you said, just as kind of that protection piece. You know, the the defense really struggled against the run for most of the season, of course. But there was an especially bad period with, between when Raven Green left and Ibrahim Campbell returned. You know, Campbell, very good down in the box. He's a sure tackler. So if they can bring him back, uh, he's someone that I'd like to see. Okay. And then finally rounding out the list of unrestricted free agents is a guy the Packers added late in the season as some insurance, and that was right tackle Jared Valdir. Valdir filled in for Brian Balaga very well. Helped them win a playoff game against the Seattle Seahawks. So he was set to retire. He had been with the Patriots, was set to retire. The Packers coaxed him out of retirement. He's only 32 years old. Obviously a veteran body at a very important position. So if he's willing to come back and wants to play another year, 
he's he's going to probably come back and be an affordable guy in order to maintain that stability and play another year. Uh, to me, if that's the case, I think Valdir falls into the same category as Mercedes Lewis. If he wants to come back and play, I think you've got to try to find a way to keep that guy on your roster because he proved his way pretty well over the last three games of the season for the Packers. Yeah, 100%. Once again, it might fall under a little bit of a luxury having someone of his caliber as a backup. And who knows, you know, assuming he still wants to play, who knows what kind of contract offer he could get based on his performance against Detroit and Seattle alone. But, you know, we talked about during the Balaga portion of this how important the tackle position is. So if they can get Valdir back at something that doesn't break the bank to be in that backup role, because chances are Balaga is going to get injured, you 100% do it. Right. I just so, don't know how likely it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is wait and see, but I think it's, it's worth discussing early on, at least right now, to see what we think that the team might do with some of these guys uh, in moving forward. And then... He's not a pending free agent, but it sounds like, like you said, Kenny Clark, they don't want him to hit free agency. It sounds like he's going to get his deal, which was music to all of our ears because we knew it was going to happen. But to know that the Packers are focusing on it tells me that they'll get a deal done and he'll be in camp on time for for this summer. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty sure every game in the month of December, we could hear his price tag increasing (laughs) with each passing tackle in the backfield and sack. And get this done sooner than later there's absolutely zero reason for this to leak into training camp and into the summer yeah i agree agree with you wholeheartedly so we went a little bit over today but we had a lot of names to talk about and a lot of a lot of uh pending business for the packers to tend to so should be fun to keep an eye on it paul you and i'll be back in two weeks so we'll have a chance to recap the super bowl a little bit talk about the championship that was and then we'll officially be into off-season mode and maybe have a little bit more to go on as far as that goes. So until then, man, thank you so much. Enjoy Bucks basketball in the meantime. And you can also find Paul's great work over at uh, Dairyland Express. And remind us uh, where we can find your uh, work online. Uh, you can find it at Dairyland Express and at Cheesehead TV. And you can follow me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L. Fantastic. All right. Well, even though the season is over, it's still the same old deal each and every week. There's only one thing left to do, and that is go pack, go. Go pack, go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.